Get this full audiobook for free by clicking now the link in the description. It's brought to you by the Book Guide. Before graduation, the attending pressed me to take another three years for a subspecialty in thoracic surgery after my residency. I had spent the last two hours assisting in a right lower lobectomy, and he admired the deafness of my knots. We were sitting in a tiny room with a set of bunk beds and a desk, a place we were meant to sleep for twenty minutes between cases. I kept thinking I could still smell blood, and I got up for the second time to wash my face in the small sink in the corner while the attending droned on about my bankable talent. I wasn't in much of a mood, and as I dried myself with paper towels, I told them I might have talent, but I had no plans to use it. And so what are you doing here? He was smiling, anticipating the punchline of what he was sure was the setup to my joke. I shook my head. It's the rotation. This one's not for me. There was no point in explaining. His parents had probably come from Bangladesh so that one day their son could be a surgeon in New York. His entire family had doubtlessly been crushed beneath a load of debt and didn't need to hear about the effort it took to liquidate an education trust. Listen, he said, pulling off his scrub top and throwing it in the bin. Surgeons are the kings. If you can be a king, there's no point in being a jack, am I right? I could see every bone in his ribcage. I'm a jack, I said. He laughed even though I'd failed to make the joke. There are two kinds of people who come out of this place, surgeons and the ones who didn't make it as surgeons. Nobody else. You're going to be a surgeon. I told him I'd think about it just to shut him up. My 20 minutes were down to 14 minutes, and I needed every one of them. I was exhausted beyond anything I could remember. I wanted to tell him I wasn't going to do a residency, or an internship for that matter. Medical school would finish and I would crack the code on real estate and sail out of this place without so much as a backward glance. Except I didn't. I tried and failed and tried again and failed again. Buildings lingered on the market for years and then sold for a fraction of their worth. I saw buildings in foreclosure go for as little as $1,200. And even when they were burned out shells covered in graffiti, even when every pane of glass had taken a brick, I thought I was the one to save them. Not the people, mind you, the ones who might have lived in those buildings. I had no grand ideas that I was the one to save the men and women who lined the hallways of the ER waiting for a minute of my time. I wanted the buildings. But then I would have to settle up the back taxes, buy the doors, fix the windows, pay the insurance. I would have to dispatch the squatters and the rats. I didn't know how to do any of that. Despite every promise I had ever made to myself, I went into the internship program at Albert Einstein in the Bronx. Not only was there no tuition for internships, okay, Maeve said I didn't know that. They paid me. At this point, the trust was obligated only to cover my rent and give me a small amount for expenses, which I banked. I was no longer bilking Andrea in any meaningful way, not that I ever had. I was no longer avenging my sister. I was, in fact, finishing my training in medicine. I got along with the people I worked with, impressed the faculty, helped my patients, and every day reinforced the lessons I had learned in chemistry. You don't have to like your work to be good at it. I stayed at Albert Einstein for my residency, and while I still made the rare trip to the law school at Columbia, where I stood in the back of the hall to take in a lecture on real estate law, those trips were few and far between. I followed the real estate market the way other men followed baseball.
I memorized statistics and never played the game. Dr. Abel still kept an eye on me, or maybe, as he would have said, we had become friends. He invited me for coffee every three or four months and kept at me until we locked down a date. He would talk about his students. I would complain about my workload. We talked about departmental politics or when we were in the company of our better selves, science. I didn't talk to him about real estate, nor did I ask him if chemistry had been the thing he'd wanted to do with his life. It wouldn't have occurred to me. The waitress brought our coffee. I'm going to London this summer, he said. We've rented a flat in Knightsbridge, two whole weeks. Our daughter is working there. Nell, you know Nell. I know Nell. Dr. Abel rarely mentioned his family, either in deference to my own situation or because that wasn't the nature of our relationship. But on this particular spring day, he was too happy to keep his personal life to himself. She's doing art restoration. She went over there three years ago for a postdoc that turned into a full-time job. I don't think she's ever coming back. There was no point in mentioning that Nell Abel...